What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Keith and Mike Watch Deep Space Nine. It is a beautiful Tuesday afternoon. Mike and I are in good moods. I'm excited to talk about season two, episode twenty-four, The Collaborator. You just you just made a face when I said good moods, like we hadn't literally just talked about it. No, no, no. I agree with you 100. percent I'm I'm commenting more on the fact that we're in good moods. It's, <laughs> it's, it's a shocking, <laughs> shocking event when both of us show up to the show. Keith, I want to tell you. I am feeling so much better today. Uh, I viewers may know I've been a little under the weather, mm-hmm. and the antibiotics is, I'm sure have kicked in. Many there are many factors to my. Uh, I was able to even go for a run today, but I had a friend of mine. You know, sometimes you have those friends, Keith, and I know you, we, you and I count, can count our friends on this here hand. I have a dear friend, Molly, uh, who heard I was feeling under the weather, and she sent me this honey. It's this special like magic honey, and I it starts with an M. I can't remember what it's called. Uh, I'll put it in the show notes. It's from Amazon. She got she sent she so but she heard I was feeling sick. She had had really great experience with this specific type of honey when she had had strep or whatever it was, and sent it to me. Overnighted it to me, and really? uh, I had a handful in my uh, in a meal last night, and then uh, in my tea today. And I'm telling you, Keith, I think there's some magic to this magic tea. So Magic I'm gonna ask, honey, huh? I'm going to put a link to it in Amazon with our affiliate code. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So this is all a pitch for us to steal yeah, two right. pennies from every. Uh, no, so uh, honey no, but I want to. So I want to thank Molly specifically. I want to start there, Keith, yeah, thanks, and then um, before we even get into the show proper, there's some other people I'd like to thank, and I'm going to let you go ahead and say it. Ah, uh, uh, right indeed. here. Indeed, that is our patrons who. Uh, we know you, we owe you content, and we're actually excited to give it to you up at patreon.com slash KNM. Uh, we, we owe you an AMA. We owe you a bonus episode of Trek, and uh, who knows what other nonsense we're going to throw up there for Brian Kaufman, Casey Clark, Jason Moe, Andrew Hayes, Jorge Navoa, and the mysterious Worf's Butchivs. CRM Productions, Charles Babbage, Nikolai Ivanovich Lobachevsky, at Grim Toys, and Delusions at noon. You can join them, join us at patreon.com slash K and M. And on a side note, we got hmm. some other shows. We know we, we look at Star Trek toys, we play we sure with do. toys, we talk about yeah. other toys. Uh, we have late breaking announcements on Playmates. Uh, hopefully more for the fall. We're trying to get some press credentials to go to the Toy Fair 2023. Uh, mm. Who knows? That's just uh, just throwing it out there. And by trying, I mean, I, I asked Keith if we should try today. And so we've, <laughs> that's yes, that. Which, which, which uh, let me be clear. What you got from me in my response was consent. Not yeah. <laughs> as opposed to being the one to do it well we could discuss that i mean you have been the guy doing the press stuff previously so i mean you've already sort of established that role not the point um my point is we also do another show called knm geekly where keith and i sometimes talk about just stuff we've been watching or playing and sometimes we get into like really deep conversations about the state of personal stuff uh, whatever you can listen to this week's to see what i'm talking about but i wanted to just quickly point out you know Part of that conversation was like, should you fear what you say on the internet? Are you afraid of of, of mm. the trolls and whatnot? And what I'd like to say about this, the small but mighty audience we've cultivated thus far over a few years, 1,100 strong and growing, is I wasn't worried about that. And y'all have not disappointed. There's been some really thoughtful, measured uh, dialogue, you know, uh, some challenge and some um, and some 
sharing of ideas and some disagreements and some already. Uh, so I just am really proud of the voices and the people that we've uh, that we've sort of begun to commiserate with here on the on the show and ask you, uh, you know, give a like, give a subscribe, not just because algorithms, but because it helps maybe grow that 1100 into a, a few more. Maybe some more voices come into the chats. And uh, it's uh, just a thank you. It's, it was really heartening to wake up this morning and know that uh, we're going to have some cool conversations. So thank you so much. Yes, indeed. All right. Well, with that, I think we should start talking about The Collaborator. Absolutely. Which, of course, aired on May 22, 1994. I was a fresh-faced 14-year-old now. And I was listening to, you know, sometimes I, I go back into the archives and I listen to the top hits yeah, okay, from no, it's big, the big, big 90s. Hit and I'm like, oh boy, you know what? That I didn't like that very much. But this one, Mike, I swear I love this song. Uh, I swear, right? It was like that. With Kira and Vedic and when the collaborator is a giant galactic wind from the depths of space to Bajoran soil. When they betray you, it'll make your blood boil. Wow. Okay. Well, that just kept going, didn't it? But, <laughs> but we are all for one yeah. here on the show. Uh, so I, I very much, I listened to the whole song. I sang along. That one, uh, that one's a banger. You got to say that was all for it's one. It's a banger. Right? It's all for one. I mean, all for one. Yeah. yeah. And and like uh, you know, as cheesy as the arrangements are, man, I sang that at full voice driving my car down the roads of Vermont many a time. Oh yeah, no back doubt, no in doubt. The nineties. All right. Well, the top movie was uh, none other than Maverick, starring Mel Gibson, Jodie Foster, and James Garner. I don't think I've ever seen Maverick. That may, no, but I, you know what's funny? I did see. Um... I did see some qu quote from like uh, Tom Cruise and uh, Steven Spielberg embracing and Spielberg being like, you saved cinema with Maverick. I think he might have met Top Gun Maverick, though. He did. He did yeah. not. I don't think he you went back in time to 1994, <laughs> saved cinema with a movie you weren't involved in in any way, shape or form. If anyone could do it, Keith. It's Tom Cruise. I feel like we just pitched the plot of the next Tom Cruise movie, just putting a scene with him jumping off a building, and yeah. we've got it. All right. Um, T-M-K-M-E right here. Yeah. I mean, uh, we won't be back next week because we're going to be Hollywood bazillionaires yep. thanks to uh, that movie. So, you know, so see you next week. Uh, but if we weren't saving cinema with an unrelated movie, what were we watching on TV? here on May 22, 1994. Uh, yeah, yeah, Keith, I think it's a great question. You know, if it mm. was airing on the Sunday market, as often uh, we discuss, that's uh, the 22nd itself, it was, you know, a pretty normal night. You know, we had America's Funniest Videos, and then, of course, followed by America's Funniest People, uh, followed uh. by another episode of America's Funniest Home Videos, because ABC really wanted to nail that 7 to 9 o'clock, 8.30 block with just... It was really, really cheap. Yeah. It was user-submitted content. You didn't have to do anything. It's like showing YouTube. We say it a bunch of times. It was YouTube before YouTube. Mm -hmm. Kids out there, we didn't get yeah. YouTube. We just had to wait for Bob Saget to tell us what was funny. And let me tell you, he did it. 
with yeah, uh, right. a, a nice uh, collaboration of funny voices, collection of funny voices. Following that, Keith, ABC had their Sunday night at the movies, a classic, mm. uh, City Slickers, which feels ancient, mm. but at the time it was only three years old, so it was a big get for ABC. City Slickers came out in 1991, and this is here yeah. airing in '94 on network television. Crystal. The CBS Sunday night movie, A Killing in Beverly Hills, part one of two. Mm. So uh, that was the Menendez brothers, I believe. Oh, jeez. Uh, Sunday night movie was Seasons of the Heart. No idea what that was. But Keith, what, you ask, if I was watching in that Saturday market on the 21st? Well, I I'll mean, tell obviously. you, yeah. uh, America's Most Wanted, deep to my heart. We had uh, Empty Nest. I thought this was a funny, funny uh, episode title. Absence makes the nurse grow weirder. So, mm, wow. You, you tell me I what mean, that could be. And, and, but here's the thing. Uh, you never know. If you go back and rewatch it, there might be a cameo from Tom Cruise who was going back and changing history. He might pop in Quantum Leap style into these shows. You know what? I, I'm still here for it. You still haven't you still haven't changed my mind. If that's where we're getting, and Keith, ABC at the time. This is how many years ago? Twenty some, twenty like, plus. Yeah, uh, almost thirty. Well, they were airing their ABC fortieth anniversary the, i found a commercial greatest events in television history from once in a lifetime only the 40th anniversary of abc like to, Lord. to tv's most popular series a galaxy of today's biggest stars host oh, 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 the 40th Brett. anniversary oh yeah what was that ABC. show called saturday may 25th uh, um uh, i forget but i i it's right on the tip of my she, tongue uh, oh no ma'am what was that called it came on right after roseanne because it was basically roseanne uh-huh um, uh brett ABC show. Uh, I'm going to Google it while you talk. Either. Okay. All right. Well, uh, luckily, we can save ourselves from the, uh, the maybe maybe it got rewritten. That's why we don't remember by Tom Cruise. Britt Butler. Uh, she was in a show. ABC series called Grace Under Fire. Grace Under Fire. All right. Now starring Tom Cruise. All right. So speaking of, you know, past and time, the weekly world news headline this week it was all about predictions about what was going to happen between 1994 and the year 2000. We've got some great news. The doctors found the cure to cancer. Thank God. That's great. Yeah. Uh, there's going to be a machine that lets you talk to loved ones in heaven. There's going to be brain It's called chips. church. Uh-huh. <laughs> 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 wow, like Catholic Philly just came out and slapped me. <laughs> They're going to be brain chips that turn people into geniuses. Now, hold on. Yeah, it's called your cell phone. It's called chat GPT. And it just, and, it just uh... turns you into an asshole, from what I understand. <laughs> and a astronaut is going to write on it <laughs> it's like it's like i'm a network sensor <laughs> <laughs> it's like you tried to like you know set after the super bowl yeah when they had the cameras in there like they 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 were right behind every f word it was pretty funny a lost astronaut returns to earth in the ufo that's exciting uh so lots Speaking of, of uh, which i mean it's pretty prescient because if i'm not mistaken all the headlines now it was like we shot down four aliens in the past couple of days i mean i've, I've sure added did. a little editorial to that but you know ostensibly you can't prove that we didn't <laughs> yeah uh, speaking wow. of aliens keith is that uh is that good old phil sims i see over there yeah of course it is i guess since the super Bowl's over now we're both zero zero baby both first place that's right that's right phil sims i, I feel like he's got one more year in him fc beast nfc beast 
we can make this happen. All right, so uh, let's continue talking about the collaborator. Right. That sounds good. We're, we're wrapping up season two on Deep Space Nine. We only have two more episodes after this one. I am so excited. I'm like ridiculously, stupidly excited to talk about a show from 30 years ago. Season this three? I'm, season three is a banger, I guess? Season three is when it's it it starts to cook. It starts, you know, like we, it's not going to be full speed through season three, but oh. season, go ahead. Uh, the, these questions do tie into Star Trek, so don't go, don't get your panties in a tizzy over there, people. Uh, <clears throat> this we're back and we're on track. I know we chat a lot, you know, so you gotta. I don't want you to have to do too many. You can keep this in the in the chapters. Anyway, one. There's a lot of hype. Picard season three. The hype is through the roof. Mm-hmm. Am I am I sanctioned to watch any of this? Oh no. <laughs> what? Even if I go back and watch seasons one and two, which I was gonna do, don't do you it. Can watch- you can watch seasons one and two. But, but then don't watch the great season everybody's excited about. Because season three is, is going to touch into the Deep Space Nine verse. So you're telling me, Keith, we're not going to finish Deep Space Nine, you and me, for another six years. So you told me I can't watch Picard. Look, you signed up for this, buddy. Oh, man. What about on the DL? Can I watch it? What do I get? No, you can't watch it on the DL. <laughs> Doesn't matter whether you're above or below, buddy. I'm not going to spoil the glory. I Come literally knew. <laughs> Come on. So what is it? Is that, I know what's going to happen on The Last of Us, but it's still great. Oh, uh, no, 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 no. Folks, I want your opinions. Oh, yeah. They're going to have my back. You, you tell are going to have so my I need back. Someone out there tell me I can watch it. Okay. That's the first question. Or, or, I, 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 not I, the I answer what, I wanted. Let me tell you. I, I will watch it ahead. And... As far as it's clean, I will tell you you can watch, but I but you have to be prepared. I'm going to cut you off. Um, oof, I think I can becomes con- a I problem. I think I can consent to that. All right, um, partial consent. The Keith and Mike way. <laughs> That's on the internet. Somebody save that, except yep, for the take out the Keith part. <laughs> okay, question number two. Can you tell Keith and I are in a better mood today? Question number oh. two. Um. I don't know if you know the specific answer, but by now in season two of Deep Space Nine, where we are wrapping up, mm-hmm. we're in the penultimate, penultimate episode. Yeah. Uh, did they, they knew they were they were renewed right at this point? Oh we, yes, they've been green. Oh certainly. Yeah, so they're already like starting to churn because because this episode starts to be one where you f- you feel like it has legs, like it's gonna. Yeah. They're setting. They're long playing the setting. What table. what's happening now is going to affect stuff yeah. moving forward for which sure. is meaty. That's it's so not network TV, right? It's so like that's not generally how it's done. Well, it, and I mean, Trek did it a little bit, but this Deep Space Nine definitely plowed new ground in terms of. You know, serialized storytelling in Trek for sure. And, you know, we're, uh, you know, we're coming up with the season finale is going to lay an unbelievable amount of track for the entire rest of the series. Nice. All right. So, All right. uh, but, but this for sure affects stuff moving all the way to the end of the series. Like what happens in this episode here is a, plays a small role in the series finale in season seven. Sweet. All right. So, um, anyway, so let's get into it. So this episode was directed by Cliff Bowl, who last directed Cardassians, and it was written by Gary Holland, Ira Stephen Bear, and Robert Hewitt, with a story by Gary Holland. This is the first of two for him, uh, and one of Voyager. 
But we're going to get into a lot more of that in a little segment. I like to sing. Now, Keith, waste your time with Trivial Trivia. Oh my god! I gotta take that away from you. You know what's funny, Keith? No joke. Um, my soundboard died a few weeks ago. Uh, oh. That's the only thing that somehow survived. So <laughs> it's it's. I am eternal. <laughs> yes. Wow. All right. So uh, this is the last episode of Deep Space Nine that aired concurrently with the Next Generation. This would be the only. Trek show until January of 1995 when Star Trek Voyager premieres. So, uh, sadly, uh, Tom Villard, who plays Minister Prylar, died of AIDS less than six months after this episode aired. He was only 40. And uh, for those of us who are old enough to remember, which I'm assuming uh, most people watching this, like, uh, that was a really scary thing and a really scary time. Um, and I am so grateful to uh, the advancements in medicine that makes that a wildly different proposition. Uh, yeah. So wow. this is, it, it is a sad thing, but it is also a milestone of our progress. And I am, I'm very, uh, it, it's, it's heartbreaking at that time, uh, but very hopeful for the advances that we've made on that. So, let's go into the story of the writing of this. Writer Gary Holland was actually in charge of advertising and promotion at Paramount for, of, for Deep Space Nine, and he always dreamed of being a writer. And he was then allowed to pitch the idea that became this episode. And he would go on to write two more episodes of Trek, uh, but he remained at his regular job for the run of Deep Space Nine. Um, we've talked about it many times before, but the open submission process... Uh, on Star Trek was unprecedented then and has never been done again. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> um, but they got so many good stories and they developed <clears throat> so many good writers. So uh, also talking about the writing of this episode, the writers had intended all year to make Beryl the Kai. But they finally came to their senses when they realized that a friendly Kai would be a terrible idea for storytelling and gave it to win. Yeah, more than friendly, right? I mean, like... Yeah, yeah real, 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 real friendly. friendly. Yeah. Real friendly. Uh, but, I mean, just like as a writer, the conflict opportunities to have an adversarial Pope, I mean, come on! And to put Louise Fletcher, like... Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, I mean, come on. How how would you ever consider it oh. not going? Oh, hey, hi, hey guys. <laughs> What's up? Uh, it's just me and you now. Uh, it's like kind of like here in Barile, right? Uh, only I have a shirt on. Now keep waiting time. <laughs> <sighs> it was going so well. Okay, okay. I'm, I'm, I'm ready. I'm prepared now. <laughs> yep. Yeah. All right, so the last piece of this is actually also about Gary Holland, the guy who pitched the story and got to write on it. As a new writer, he did go on to write some other things, but he was, you know, basically a promotions guy. He visited the set during production and viewed them filming the scene with Avery Brooks and Louise Fletcher being so filmed. So good. 
as they went toe-to-toe. And he, he commented, I wanted that scene all along to have the two of them together acting toe-to-toe. And when he was on set, Avery Brooks saw me and screamed my name across the soundstage, Gary Holland, this is yours! And at that moment, I thought, I can't believe this is happening. It was so satisfying to be a part of it all. And like, hell yeah, Avery Brooks. And like, both appreciating the the writer and the right, writing of that scene, but also understanding how important it was and how cool and to celebrate that. Um, love it. Love it. <clears throat> a moment like that as a writer would be so immensely satisfying um, to get that kudos. And it was a great scene. So um, lo- I love that little sort of moment in his life, which for Avery Brooks was like another day filming. Right. But for Gary Holland, that's a, that's a moment, right? Yeah, man, for and, sure. It's awesome. So what was what else was awesome this week? And also sad was what was Next Gen doing this week? They were airing all good things. The series finale of Star Trek the Next Generation. Oh wow. Which in yeah, in uh my humble opinion, is one of the greatest series finales of any show ever written. Um Okay, that's big that's that's big time. And uh, it was an incredibly satisfying episode to finish up that series. And uh, considering they started filming Star Trek Generations the next week, (laughs) uh, I certainly think that it would have been far superior to make All Good Things the movie. uh, Because it was was far superior to the film that that they filmed right after it. Um, but really, really, really good intersecting timelines, the past, the present, the future, all coalescing. You got Q in there. It's a phenomenal. Oh, I don't think I've ever seen finale. it, to be honest. No. Well, it's, I mean, <laughs> we've had questions about whether we're going to go back and do the other series. So yeah, maybe you should hold off, but I don't know. We'll see. But I will say this, uh, spoiler, spoiler alert for you, Mike, which is good news. The good news is the series finale of Deep Space Nine is also great. So don't worry, folks. It's not going to peter out. All right. So let's talk about the guest stars of this episode. Include Philip Angelum. Yes, Mike. Production note. Keith Keith has also been gifted a copy of the Deep Space Nine companion, which is why I've ceased to... uh, read aloud from it every week we've just wrapped it into the trivia trivia episode that way i avoid spoilers i still read it after i watch the episode that's all yeah there it is so uh we have philip anglum back as vedic Baril. we have burt remson as kubis oak burt reynolds burt reynolds uh in a, a very elaborate costume we have camille saviola back as kai opaka and of course, Louise Fletcher as Vedic Wynn. All right, let us hop into the screening room and get into it, shall we? Yep, let's do it. Steak? What was that? <laughs> uh, Did you get... say like Uber steak? <laughs> Upa stack? 
<laughs> it'll become clear soon because I'm gonna. I would, there's a joke. I I I was workshopping in Mike watches Deep Space Nine, which you can watch by becoming a patron at Patreon.com/slash/KNM. And uh, uh, I was practicing that. I unfortunately hit the voice disguise button, so it, it it obscured it from you. So good, it didn't it didn't it didn't waste my joke. Okay, okay. Well, if we get up a stock, here we go. So in our teaser, we begin with Vedic Burial walking out of the Bajoran Shrine on the promenade. It's deserted and glowy, so we know it's a dream or a vision. Mm-hmm. He bumps into the body of another Vedic who is hanging Eesh. next to the uh, you are here in the mall sign. He runs into Kira, who is playing spring ball. He asks her for help. She this looks like a 90s down... Reebok commercial. <laughs> With those high tops. Yeah, man. But does she have like pump, ankle weights? Pump, pump, it up. Remember those pump up Reeboks? Hell yeah, Reebok pumps, bro. <laughs> Wait, what? What did you just say? Did you just say I had Reebok, Reebok pumps. Yes, you did. I guarantee you did. <laughs> uh, I was a Jordan guy. Keith was a Reebok pump guy. That's no, about... I was not. I was an off-brand, yeah. generic Reebok. Cole's brand, pump. baby. Um, but did you just say? <laughs> did you just say Reebok Reebok pumps? Boo! Did you call me bro. boo? Oh, bro! I didn't call you boo. <laughs> you. You lift, bro? No, man. I pump, bro. Yeah, I pump, boo. <laughs> All right. Well, sweetheart, let's continue. She cuts down. It is Valentine's the Day. Vedic. Yeah, it's true. Hmm. And it was Prylar Vec. Then it turns into Brile. He closes the Orb of Prophecy in the real world, and we go to credits. So... We, our entire teaser is all dreamy land. So we begin act one and Ooh. now shirtless and perfectly hairless for his or her pleasure. Barile is doing some post-coital canoodling with Kira. She reminds him he's about to be elected Kai and go from sexy bishop to sexy pope. This still feels weird and icky, but I can't exactly say why. Well, I'll tell you what was doing it for me. <clears throat> not doing it, like bad doing. <laughs> Undoing, not doing. I, guys, uh, we're going to have to put an age warning on Mike Watch's Deep Space Nine. Um, I actually, you know, like I, I have no problem with their romance. I think it's actually being handled well. I'm glad to see it carry through, that it's not just like a one-time fling. They're hooking up every time he comes to the station. But it's, I, it's hard because of the, like, the... I understand the political stature of the Kai, but also it's very religious, right? They really hammer home the religion right. aspect of it. So every time they're hooking up like this, all I can think about is like, I mean, I know there are some religions in which the priests and or the the, the leaders of the congregation do have relationships, but I grew up in the very like Catholic shoot. Well, you, you grew up in like the main religion that yeah. doesn't. And so it's just weird to see somebody like hooking up with their priest. Look like how Thornburg. And who's about you. to be their pope? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. She's well. like, yeah, I'm gonna vote for you, but first, like, do that thing. <laughs> <laughs> Make sure you're utterly hairless. <laughs> like they dipped him in a bucket of nair before first this you episode. Shave, then we do it. Then I vote you. for you. Wow, that got really weird. <laughs> So uh, he says he was Kai Opaka's choice to succeed her. 
probably based on push-ups. They head to the promenade and discover that Rutro Kai Win is here. Business about to pick up, says JR. It's a girl uh-huh. fashion slobberknocker. Slobberknocker. That was a bad JR. That was bowling shoe ugly. <laughs> All right, so they smile spar for a while, and Win is clearly running against Barile for Kai. And it is interesting because their Kai is voted on by the people. So it is a it is a democratically elected pope where all Catholics, I guess, would be voting as opposed to the the uh, the conclave of bishops. Uh, so. Oh, interesting. Uh, <clears throat> OK. Yeah, because otherwise, why would Kira be voting right, for him? Correct. So uh, Kai tells him not to celebrate prematurely. Kira said the same thing about an hour earlier. So Kira and Wynn also spar, but the animosity is turned up to an 11. Then an old Bajoran man walks by and bumps to another Bajoran who recognizes him as a collaborator with the Cardassians. Keith, this just in. I'm being told Mm. if you ever want to uh, seek asylum somewhere uh, and you're not welcome there, don't bump into anybody. Oh, oh, right. And make a big show of uh, yeah, showing right. up? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Go into an airport and just knock into people who might recognize yeah, me? I don't know. Or, you know, like put a hat on? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Very good. Very good. I mean, it's not hard to, like, hide yourself in public. Uh, just throw on some glasses, throw on a little hat. Not no, a problem. No, 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 no. I'm not Mike. What, 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 I got a yeah, hat on? Yeah. My voice is completely different? That's not Look, me. Not, not too vague brag, but I was hanging out with somebody fairly prominent right in the middle of Times Square this weekend and nobody even noticed him. So. Yeah, truth be told, nobody nobody really cares. Nobody cares. Anyway. Je- no, Jen said to me, I have to say, it's so cute. It's so cute. Um, one day she's like, just wait, one day someone's going to like stop you and be like, oh my God, Keith and Mike? And I was like, no, no, that's no one's ever going to do that. <laughs> no, that's nobody. The, 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 the pop, the, the chance of that happening, the statistical chance of that happening is so low. We would be millionaires many times over by winning the lottery before that ever happened. Yeah, we should do that. We should, we should win the lottery. I'm into it. I'm down. All right. Okay. Good. You have a winning lottery ticket you'd like to share. You can send that to <laughs> Keith's house, uh, care oh, of right. Mike and Degley. <laughs> <laughs> oh, where were we? Okay. So we, we, we've met this collaborator and he's called out and a crowd gathers before Odo shows up. So apparently this collaborator has been living on Cardassia and has and finally wants to come home. And Odo immediately arrests him as Vedic Wynn side-eyes him. Which takes us... See, now that... I mean, spoiler alert. Now that Wynn is the Kai, she loses her crazy hat. And I'm kind of disappointed. So enjoy it while it lasts, Keith. It's an amazing hat. So, anyway. How come, bummer. How come Kai Wynn... Or Kai Vedic Vedic Burial doesn't wear that hat. That's a good question. Well, I I I feel like for Win it's a it's her own like flair, right? Because mm-hmm. you know how like you know the Supreme Court judges will add flair to their robes. So she gets to wear the cool hat, and he just wears like a Cobra Kai dungeon doge, uh, yeah gi. Well, well, he needs to get he needs to be able to be become shirtless. Really that's quickly. true. He has to be able to go zero to shirtless in like got to go to zero to pole. shirtless. Yeah. yeah. So that's it's it's an emergency. The whole thing's Velcro. It's like a stripper <laughs> robe. 
It's just him and his Reebok pumps, baby. Uh, so, uh, in Act 2, we begin in another vision that Baral is having, being elected Kai. When, holy moly, Kai Opaka shows up, and she tells him to be strong, and that all that's going to happen is the prophet's will. It will. It is his destiny to follow her. A Vedic hands him a hat box filled with a space snake. When he picks up the snake, it turns into a noose, as if we couldn't hit the metaphor harder. But you know, it's a it's a vision. It's a you know. It, I mean, in it, hindsight, yeah. But in the solving. moment, in the moment, it makes sense. Like that's what dreams are. That's that's. Yeah. He's nervous about something. He's playing on easy mode, bro. <laughs> so, uh, in the real world, Brig, Odo tells the Bajoran by the name of Secretary Kubis. That a mob has gathered outside. Keith? We, yes. Hoobastank. Every time they said this guy's name, I was like, Hoobastank? That's all I could think Hoobastank? of. I don't know what Hoobastank is. Ladies and gentlemen, their one hit wonder, Hoobastank. Well, Hoobastank just cost us our 74 cents we were going to make on this no, episode. It, I, I'm tracking the time, Keith. We got 30 seconds, brah. We do not have 30 seconds. 100%. No way they're going to ding this episode. You watch. All right. All right. I'll I'll bet you that 74 cents we're going to (laughs) lose. You know what? Not a huge loss, Keith. Thanks to our sponsors. You can join them at patreon.com slash K&M. Keeping this show financed through maybe the next 20 minutes. Okay. Well, there we go. Uh, Where were we? Okay. So we learn that. Kubis worked for the Bajoran Occupational Government, which was the puppet government run by the Cardassians during the occupation. Kubis says he was just trying to stay alive. Then Kira shows up, and he asks to go home. Kira says, nope. After the occupation ended, the Bajorans made a proclamation that all members of the Occupational Government were sentenced to exile. And she says she personally thinks they got off easy. Uh, Basically because part of his job was signing authorization forms for slave labor in the mines, basically for killing all of these people. I actually think this is a really important scene because, and they had me, like, they wrote the scene for me because I was with them hook, line, and sinker. Basically at first I'm like, yeah, well, it is totally hard to, to argue with any of her points right obviously yeah um, but they go a step further they go two steps further step one they go into great detail as to the specific nature of his collaboration to which you're like yeah well that sounds terrible but then he goes into the like the what was me he's like i'm just an old guy right and it's funny i was just watching this documentary on the nuremberg Nuremberg trials Mm -hmm. and you know at that point the majority of these ss leaders regardless of their role or statute in the in 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 the organization were just old dying men right yeah and it's it's hard not to look i, I it's hard not to look at uh, older people without with this with just like built-in sense of human empathy and and wanting to take care of them but these are evil monster people yeah and so they were able to i think really capture all of those things in this one scene here yeah. uh without making him a scene chewy monster right and i think that obviously ties into the themes um later in the episode 
uh, of of kind of weighing what we do in times of war and in times of stress and what our accountability is, something we've been talking yeah. about lately, Keith. So it's just a, a great scene. Yeah, an in, in, interesting, interesting idea. I think I come down on Kara's side, but yeah, it's, it is interesting. Ah, I don't disagree at all. Yeah. So uh, when shows up in Cisco's office. Here we go. She's going there to make nice because the fact that the emissary publicly hates her guts is politically bad for her in the election. And Cisco is loving this. And he says, we're enemies with a shit-eating grin for the ages. She eats some of it and he asks if she would support Bajor joining the Federation, what he wants. And he asks her to say so publicly. And she's like, sure, uh, but, you know, let's let's talk together in a joint speech to Congress. And, of course, she wants to do it now. Yeah, like, what are you doing in, like, 20? Yeah, yeah, uh, for the tacit endorsement. And he's like, you know what, let's, let's wait till after the election. Because <laughs> uh, he says, nope, I'm not endorsing either side. And then she makes that smile face, which means I want to kill you with my eyes, that she is so good at. So Odo then calls Kira and says that the collaborator Kubis is leaving for Bajor. Apparently, Wynn Kubisek? has offered him... Eh, I, Get used I don't to even it. know who that is. How can you not know the... Who, you never heard that song before? And the reason is you And the reason is you When I keep looking for it, all I see is, is a snake perfume is hoobastank dead <laughs> they're like one of those bands who are like what happened to hoobastank i hoobastank <laughs> i still want to know, know like what was the 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 band meeting like what do you guys think for a name i was like yo man i've just been like playing some playing with some stuff what do you think about hoobastank <laughs> oh yeah you they prefer space age mafia i still don't really remember the space eight mafia that. yeah I, I love that you remember that every time <laughs> <laughs> i i get closer and closer yeah, every you week you got out of the second try there that's right. Hey, you know, I was listening to Crash Test Dummies at this time, so I was in college. Uh, where the heck are we? <laughs> All right, so Kuba is leaving for Bajor uh, because Wynn has offered him sanctuary. Kira says, hell no, and goes to Odo. Wynn apparently met with Kubis and looked up another collaborator on the computer and cut a deal. Beck said uh, it was... Pilar Beck that they looked up and Beck was the Vedic interface with the Cardassians. So essentially the Vedic equivalent of Hubis. So Please, Kira, we just at least refer to him as Hubistank? It, sure, sure. Thank you. And then I won't play the music. Deal? Uh, okay, deal. <laughs> deal. There we go. So Kira smells what's cooking and asks about the Kendra Valley Massacre in which 42 resistance fighters, including Kai Opaka's son, were killed because Beck gave their location to the Cardassians. And we know this because he confessed in a suicide note, and he was the one who hung himself on the promenade. Wynne shows up and asks to speak to Kira. She wants to know why Kira stopped her ship from leaving. Mm. She demands to be let go, and Kira says... You can leave whenever, but I'm not letting Kubastank go. Wynn says, okay, let's dance. And Kubastank has gotten his sanctuary in exchange for the man actually responsible for the massacre. 
And they used it that cool uh, that cool camera angle I called the Batman villain, and then JD did, gave us a solid and told us what it was actually called that I've since forgotten. Crane. Oh, uh, it's the. Um, oh, uh, I used to know this. Well, JD will correct us again. Yes, I, I'll, I'll uh, try to look it up. Oh, um, I know this. Whatever. Uh, so uh, this is the important part. She says it wasn't Beck alone who told the Cardassians where the resistance fighters were. He was ordered to do it by dun, 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 Vedic Baril. So she, and yeah, that, Kira's like, don't I, I don't play that. No, she's not. She's not going to buy that for a second. You and your hat which will never be used again it's so sad what a great hat so in act three kira says you know what this is just a power grab and win says we can't elect a collaborator duh kira naturally says prove it and win very clever says you know what why don't you investigate and uh, kira says okay but keep it secret until i can prove it either way and this is an interesting move by Wynn. I think very smart, right? Because mm-hmm. it does it does two things, right? One, if Kira finds out that it's true, right, then it's game over, which, you know, is sort of what happened. But also, it occupies Kira and gets her out of the way for Wynn to maneuver with whatever else that she wants to do. She's obviously a tremendously sophisticated strategist. Mm-hmm. Um, which makes her a worthy adversary for our heroes. And what I dig about this, <clears throat> I actually think Nana Vizier's performance in this episode is is exquisite. Um, they don't ask her to do any of the extreme stuff that we've seen her have to do, like when Opaka died or when yada yada. There's been a ton, right? They actually let her <clears throat> show a lot of nuance, but still play a lot of peaks and valleys. Like here, I feel that she knows she's now ensnared in some sort of a, a plot. I don't yeah. think she knows fully what it is. I think she knows <clears throat> her general goal is to get to the bottom of it because that's what she do, but also she's going to exonerate her boyfriend or Barile. But she know I think she knows that <clears throat> that Wynn is playing three three-dimensional ch- uh, chess and that there's other things at play and she's ensnared in some sort of a, a, a trap now and, and and you can see that in the performance. Yet she has to do what she has to do, which is a theme for some of the people who are the evil yeah evil collaborators what what is the difference what is the difference what is the line between having to do what you have to do for the greater good it's such a great what is that thought experiment keith where like you the the train experiment The train experiment is just called the train experiment i think so yeah okay well that's that's kind of what this whole episode is right right on many levels also that angle the many outweigh the needs of the few the dutch angle the dutch angle yes well and once we talked about this before but in star trek yes when you're a leader, right? Now, as far as like as a human being, I think that that line changes. I think that that's a different experiment, but when you are in charge of people and you have a prime directive and that is ordered, bestowed upon you to keep these people safe, you have to make some of these decisions maybe. I mean, we could argue whether you should or shouldn't, what the ethics of that are, but I think as a leader, if you assume that position, your ethics change because- well, I th- you have a responsibility. Right. To- to make the impossible choices. Like, make- I don't want to, I mean, spoilers, whatever, but like, we then have to get into the conversation of like, did Opaka do the right thing? If we, you know, yeah. we give all of this deference to 
the Kai and that they have some sort of a, a connection or a, a communication with something greater than, well, if it was ordered by said prophets, if you believe that the prophets are guiding said person, then they made that choice. And you and and Burial and all these people were just following. I guess I'm having my end of show conversation. So, yeah, but no, I mean, I mean, you're you're 100 right. And and to to finish out the three D three dimensional chess idea that Win is playing here and the position that Kira's in, because Kira can't. It's not even that she's playing a difficult game of chess. She can't see all the pieces. Right. And so she knows that that is the face of someone who knows that there are pieces here I'm not seeing. And so I'm not even in a position to know what move to make. Like, you are truly in a difficult position. Anyway, so uh, Kira interviews Kuba Stank. And he says that the day after the massacre, Beck met with Burial for hours and had a heated argument. Then the next morning, Beck hanged himself. Uh, it's thin, but it is interesting. Uh, Kira zooms with Burial and asks him about it. And Burial says, yeah, I met with Beck, but I'm not a collaborator. I had nothing to do with the massacre. He says he was just providing spiritual guidance and can't talk about it more because of doctor-patient confidentiality. So Kira and Odo discuss. He's going to track down the communication records. Odo asks if she's all right. She's beginning to have doubts, and she says she loves Burial. So Odo says that all of the assembly records from that time period were sealed, and only a Vedic could do that. Now, is there that that interaction there? Did you did you take anything else out of that? Well, maybe I read it wrong, but it's like they put in this weird, like, disappointment in Odo that, like, she fell in love with somebody. Like, <clears throat> and you're like, oh, was he, like, into her? But they just have a friend. They never alluded to him having any feelings for her, romantic feelings for her at any other point. They, they were just good friends. There's that one time they met in his office and they talked about how great friends they were. Um, he, of course... Renee's so such a good actor. He he kind of covers it with, no no no. I just meant I I saw that in you. I have seen that you you've been digging him for a while. But it it felt very much like a oh you like Keith oh oh yeah I I, I knew it you know, I, it was weird. Did you catch that too? Am I just did I did I input that on myself? No 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 absolutely not absolutely I caught it. Um, weird. And, yeah well and and a little bit behind the scenes without saying whether it amounts to anything like. That was not part of the script. That was Renee acting. And they were like, yo, that's the take? That's the take. Yeah, I mean, uh, Odo's, a, Odo's a being. Odo can have his feelings. Yeah. They don't no, all have to even be in the narrative. That's right. Uh, but uh, anyway, I, I'm, I'm, it's, it's, it, like, it's, it's a really, I think you picked up exactly on what the acting beat was there. Mm -hmm. it's, it's interesting. Uh, he definitely so, did it to a degree where he wanted it to read, for sure. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah, no question. So in Act 4, Quark is paying a double lady, and Odo and Kira show up. Of course, Quark acts all guilty and asks what they want, but it turns out they need him to hack into the Vedic's records, even though it's illegal. He quotes Oscar Wilde, then shows, uh, then just gets to work. 
Odo and Kira go to the spot on the promenade where Beck hung himself. Hold on, I don't, we can't yeah. pass. We can't blow past that beat because I really think yeah, it's. Yeah. It goes back to the you know <clears throat> we often talk about the inequal the uh, unevenness of the Kira Quark relationship and such, mm-hmm. and, or even this plays into the Odo Quark relationship. Here is them just like playing loose with Quark again because. We we when when she comes down on him, it's because we don't trust you. You're a squirrely little sob and blah 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 blah. But when it when it serves our our benefits, like uh, ethics be damned here. Clearly, yep. they're breaking into to confidential communications. Yeah, and we're having a a, a a back channel do it, and we don't want any questions, and we just need the information. Like, yo, that's some. That's head of security, and that's this, and Kira, who's kind of high and mighty in some regards when it comes to this type of thing and Quark. And and so I, I hope, my hope for Deep Space Nine is at some point they have an episode where Quark keeps the receipts, and they come down on his butt, and he's like, yo, just as a reminder, here's a checklist of all the S-H-I-T, I don't, all the, all the I've done for y'all. Well, let's, just, let's talk about that for a minute. Yeah. No, I mean. <clears throat> that's they, my wish. It, I mean, they they definitely judge him until it's he's convenient, and then they use him. Uh, on the flip side of that, he also like gets people killed and commits yeah, he, he very did, serious crimes. He did crimes. order a lot of nukes last week, or like a couple he weeks did, ago. <laughs> yeah, so so uh, as always, it is complex with our buddy Quark. So uh, Odo and Kira go to the spot on the promenade where Buck Beck hung himself which i believe if you go back one is nog and jake's ogling corner something attracting us to that spot it's dark grim (laughs) very dark it's a little macabre but odo is suspicious because he knew beck before and feels like he wasn't the type quark calls him over he hacked into the system quark that's the the best for he's like hey but all the files have been erased. So that whole sequence was filler and just a chance no, to get No, it's not because we got somebody else. We got somebody else who can like help us declutter the clutter. Well, <clears throat> we have to go to O'Brien, who confirms what we knew already, but has an idea. I can't get you the data, but I can tell you who erased the data. But, but hold on. Course, no, not unless you can also build me the most 90s graphics of all time to slowly and assuredly reveal which was really quite something yeah actually it was pretty cool and i love it says bajoran council kai candidate bajor bajor Bajor. okay well somebody's like that gets updated pretty regularly uh apparently Mm -hmm. uh but of course we find out the guy who erased it is of course medic barile and all of that is in front of a really cool motion lighting fixture uh, I don't know. I don't know if you got a screenshot of it, but there was they're standing in front of like vroom, whoosh, just oh, like the it, warp yeah. drive on the D. Anyway, let's go to Act Five, and we have more vision fun. The ghost of Beck confronts Barile, and he says, "You let me die." Then Barile makes out with Vedic Win. He's a he's a he's a lusty fellow mm. that Barile. Then Kira shows up. And- oh. I didn't even know I had an air horn. (laughs) That was so worth it. (laughs) (laughs) 
So uh, after he makes out with Vedic, when Kira shows up and stabs him on the prophet's behalf, he closes the orb back in the real world to find Kira there to confront him. She asks why he deleted the records. And he says, you don't want to know, which is never something you want to hear from your boyfriend. No. Uh, but they're in a really cool set with the giant statues, which we will see more of later. Uh, Barile says, I told the Cardassians where the base was because they were going to kill 1,200 villagers to find the rebels, and he did it to save their lives, thus getting to the ethical quandary of the episode. Do you give up 42 rebels to save 1,200 lives? And who's really culpable for that? Is it you who gave the Cardassians the in, the information, or the Cardassians who were so ruthless they would just kill everybody? Or were them? you given an order? I mean, the chain of command of that does it matter? That's it's, to it's Kira, tough. it doesn't even matter, right? To Kira, it's like it happened. You are part of it. That's it. The collaborator, yeah. I think. I think the title for once for me, uh, the titles sometimes leave me a little something to be desired. But this <clears throat> this title really holds weight for me because the collaborator indicates one individual, but in in truth. There's a whole sequence of collaborators, yep. and Kira paints them all with one brush, and we're learning, Keith, and what I love about Deep Space Nine, we'll talk about it later, <clears throat> there's no easy, it's like the conversation we had yesterday, there's no easy answers, there's no yeah. right or wrong answer, and there's no one answer, and that that just makes for such furtive conversation and great storytelling. Well, And, and, and I think uh, the difference between Next Gen and Deep Space Nine, Next Gen is about search for the right answer. Mm. Deep Space Nine is search the search for the right-est answer. Uh, because it there's nothing black and white in Deep Space Nine. So Barail says, I have destroyed myself. Kira arrives back on the station, and she's got a message from a delighted win. You've got mail. Barail has dropped out of the running for Kai. And Dax can tell that Kira is distraught and gets her single line of the episode. So, Kira still has questions. Why would Barile cover this up the way he did? She goes, because he's an honorable guy, why wouldn't he just say what he did? She goes back to the Vedic assembly and greets, coming out, wearing the new Pope robes, Kai Win. Of course, she's now the Pope yikes she says you know uh go tell cisco to stuff it i'm the kai now biatch essentially is what yeah yeah man in fact i read that that was the original script they just had to. that was the that was the original line <clears throat> yeah so after she leaves kira waits for barile to arrive she's figured it all out he didn't cover up the transit files that prove uh he didn't cover the transit files the transit files that prove he wasn't the collaborator. He wasn't there when it happened. And she's figured out who he was covering up for. It was Kai Opaka herself. She knew where the cell was because her son was in it. And she sacrificed her own son to protect the rest of the people. So, therefore... Uh, at the end of the episode, Wynn is now Kai, and Kira and Barile are good to keep banging. So, uh, lots to discuss. Huge, cool set they built for that. Yeah. Because all those statues and stuff, those columns, that's practical. Yeah. 
That's I mean, cool. it's obviously just like plywood and, and styrofoam, but it looks great on set. All right. All right. Well, uh, let us uh, talk about this episode, but quick, we have one single vocab question. And now it's time for Mike and Deglio's Star Trek vocabulary quiz. Mike, this is important for our plot. Mike, what is the Bajoran occupational government? Uh, I guess it was they allowed the Bajorans to have a, a semi, semi-functional government during the occupation who had to make decisions, or was it operating in secret? I can't recall. Uh, this was the puppet government set up by the Cardassians to rubber stamp their monstery. Yeah, okay, great. Thank you. Uh, all right, let's come along home! All right, here we are, tipping one back at Quarks, answering the question, Mike, what was your best moment in the We're skipping wormholes? Oh, wormholes. Sorry, wormholes. Oh, that's okay. I, I don't really see many, to be honest. Um, I, I got none. I really didn't cry. I didn't track any because it was a really good episode, so I wasn't really paying attention. Yeah, I uh, no, I'm with you. It, it all tracks, right? It it really is. It is perfectly tidy. Um you know, it, it makes sense. The dilemma, the, um, I guess if we, if we think through the machinations, the, uh, the Vedic on the station who killed himself. Right. And confessed to doing it, killed himself to protect win. Right. Mm, Opaka, right. Wouldn't you think? I mean, Opaka. No, yeah. yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Opaka. Right. So he he killed himself to protect Opaka, right? Opaka, Question is when at what point did so Barile knew at that point, right? Because the guy told him what he was going to do, and he probably tried to convince him not to kill himself. Would be my guess, probably. But then he just kind of once he once the guy was dead, Barile decided for the good of the people he would allow right. him that guy His, to take that, the fall. The guy's motivation to protect uh, Opaka made sense. Yes. So I'm going to do that too. And Burwile tried to protect Opaka, continuing by saying that by by dropping out of the race and sort of and should should the should should the information that Win had been had this the collaborator had you know tried to drop this eleventh hour information to ruin uh, Burwile. Akira's point was sound in the beginning. I guess it chances it probably wouldn't have swayed the 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 election anyway because this guy was a traitor and because the 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 evidence was very flimsy but well i i think the i think the opposite i think had this come out barile would have been just he he would have lost the election but he also would have been disgraced and thrown out of you know his his vedic dumb and all kind of stuff and he made a deal with win basically saying i'll drop out if we don't pursue this. 100%. 100% agree with you. I'm talking about even before that, when when Wynn first brings it to Kira. Yeah. At that point, she only had some like very, a statement from this disgraced right, dude. It was very flimsy. Yeah. So I think had it just, had Kira not intervened and done the investigation, there was a potentiality that, that Wynn would have 
exposed this the day before the election, but it wouldn't have had caught enough ground to right. actually. It, it may or may not right. have worked. So it's interesting that Kira, that that win when she looks like she's like, ooh, I do think she thinks the prophets led her to Kira because it was that Kira held the ship. And I think Kira's intervention was sort of. What sealed the deal yeah, for her? It sure, does. and it, well, and and that really gets to the good, the interesting question, right? Right, because Kira then becomes the it factor. Her 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 pursuit of I need to nail these people actually ends up yeah. disc- discrediting getting the best Kai for right. the people, getting her keeping her relationship. Well, I mean, I guess she does gets it anyway, but potentially ruining her relationship. She actually does harm to the big yeah. picture if you play it out. Is yeah, Kira no. the collaborator? Ah, interesting. And my thought is, and I, I think what you brought up there is, okay, is Wynn orchestrating this because she's playing three-dimensional chess? I think obviously that she is, right? And, and but I think like, she's also an opportunist. Well, she's an opportunist, and she. but I think part of the reason she shows Kira was because she knew Kira was going to, you know, like, you know, go all the way and find out what happened um, and that she was going to tell the truth no matter what happened um, and sort of gave that legitimacy um, and, and sort of like, if it can, if, if it was true, right, Kira would prove it and that would guarantee me the position of Kai. If it's not true, then I can discredit her and spread the rumor and see what happens. But the real question is in wins motivation right or, or is is her motivating thing is it naked ambition or does she genuinely believe that her ascension is the will of the prophets and where what percentage <clears throat> of which is both and i think that's going to be an interesting uh, well, well yeah let's play it out uh that's not what i want to do um we're just not talking about this but let's play it out further because it's interesting not only that, but they can't pretend, they can't think she's too evil because at the end, even Varyal's like, Varyal's like, we gotta, we gotta help her. We have to help her see the light. She's the Kai. We have to. So he believes that the will of the people is is sound and that she is the rightfully elected Kai. Uh, it's a peaceful transition well, of power, unlike we've seen before. But at the same time, does that is that giving too much deference to? Is that just protecting Opal? Like, there's so much nuance. There's well, so much to it. it. But, it's but awesome. for Burial, in his visions, Opaka said, "What happens is the will of the prophets." Yeah, that's right. So he's he's like, I I don't know where this is going. I don't know what level of evil she is, but her ascension is the will of the prophets, and I accept that. Which is actually, if you look at it from his vantage point. Well, my dream, my my visions told me that this was going. It sucks. I'm not in power, but it's actually kind of nice because I don't have that pressure. I. Right. It's cool because it's also what was destined to be, and I don't have to sell out Opaka. I'm not in trouble, and I have to keep getting laid. Well, there's there's. It's that. like a triple win for him this episode. I mean, sort of, except for like your whole dream is to be the Pope, and you don't get to be the Pope. Yeah, but, I mean, I guess so. so. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's really. This is a really complex series of machinations for power here in Bajor, which has been a story several times, but this one was the most clear and concise and had the most stakes because of the groundwork we did introducing us to Wynne and Mm -hmm. to Beryl. Yes. So that 
we knew it wasn't a new character they put in like oh it's going to be evil pope we've never met her well oh, they, we yeah, know they spent this, like, the time creating evil pope so now even like, though like even now that i'm questioning i'm like well maybe she is you know like maybe even all the nuance they played this episode because even though it was pursues cagey with ben and stuff and we kind of knew what was going on, and at the end she's like oh, yeah. i don't need there was enough of her potentially expressing legitimate desire to be copacetic potentially well, I mean, for the greater she, good of Bajor, not just her ambition that well, for sure but but we know that like we've seen the the, the evil evil side so we're like because she's conspired with it langella to be you know canceled well but that's the best version all great villains believe they're the good guys right it's, and it's i believe that she genuinely is devoted and she genuinely does believe at the same time she's all of these nakedly ambitious and and whatever so it it just makes for a great character because that, that so that brings me to my favorite moment so yeah let me pinpoint not my not the best moment uh so many great moments uh <clears throat> I think the resolution, Kira, the whodunit, when she spins the yarn in that last scene with with the last couple scenes with Varyl, Varyl with a B, um, are excellent. But my favorite scene, I think, even though I, I liked the Odo scene or the the Quark scenes too. But anyway, my favorite scene is is Vedic at the time, Win and Ben Cisco in that yeah. office because they both have shit eating grins and they both just they're so they're oozing contempt but they're playing nice and it was shot so well they had some dutch angles and then they had some just like pure face-to-face angles on the on the wide it was so good so juicy so much and just ben cisco i would have every one of us you and me both would have played that scene with like stern i i know your tricks but not ben, uh, avery brooks was like you know what i'm gonna smile the whole time he was Ve- vedic win loved having the upper hand over win in that moment uh, so that's my favorite moment yeah no i i totally agree with you and i just for the sake of variety i'll uh, i will say the similar scene between uh win and kira yes uh, when win first shows up on the station and and kira's like uh, I'm calling extra security because remember last time you were here, you tried to freaking assassinate Barack. Yeah, and also like blow up children for you. And like, I know you did it and you know, you did it. Neither one of us can prove it either way, but like, I see you. Wait, so what happened to Matlock, by the way, that old guy that was like the, the guy who looked like Matlock. Um, oh, uh, I guess he didn't know. get to go home. Yeah. No, I don't. I, I don't not. Throw him, go, send him back to exile. Yeah, we we really we. But he I, was just speaking about like his role was just to basically sign the paper. Well, so they, right. so they didn't I mean, slaughter his family. He he's in the I was just following orders camp, and it gets, gets gets really dicey. I'm sure with a gun to his head, right? But with probably a gun to his head. Well, but but it's two handed, right? Absolutely. You've, you, yeah. you've got gun to your head, and we're gonna give you we're gonna give you money and quarters and treat you better than right, everybody else. Right. And so the level of there is some level of complicity yes. in that. Yeah. It's not it's not like one where without the gun of the head, but it's not one absent the complete it's that's the great part. That's that's what makes this so fun and interesting. Um and makes finally the politics of Bajor riveting. Mm-hmm. Right, it I, I really think starts making it. I think riveting. it's a standout episode uh, for me this season. It's, uh, I think that it really astutely and brilliantly actually uh, explores 
very these like very statuesque themes, but in this case, they're they 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 treat them com complexly, right? Uh, justice, uh, betrayal, uh, redemption, perhaps. Uh, the 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 fight the choice the choice between what's uh, the greater good versus the individual um but also was able to do so with great pacing because the tension that is established very early on is um not just tension tension and suspense right because right. Uh, i think is paced really well throughout because you don't really know what's going on and they don't they get, leave you enough breadcrumbs, but they had never the, the bait and the, the, the big who done it at or the figure at the end with the the transport records. That that was a little convenient at the end. There's a little shortcutting between like the her the realization it was him to the what it wasn't. I would say that was a little weak, but but that's always how yeah stuff gets found out. But anyway, it's uh, a little piece of paper. I thought it was, it was paced well. Um, I really, though, liked what like, we just talked about a little bit. What I liked even more than all of the pacing and, and the great shot, I, it's always lit well. Everything It's really been, so this season's been really excellent in that, in that regard, production-wise. I think that it, it grapples. I think you feel the actual verb of grappling, right, uh, with the weight of the choices that, we, that people make uh, in times of war and oppression, um, and the ramifications, the accountability of those, um, and yeah. how though you know circumstances change, so views change of those actions when you take them out of context, it doesn't remove the weight of the responsibility of those who were uh, responsible for them. Um, and like we talked about, there's no easy answers, uh, and, and we could probably go back and forth for quite a while deciding who should have done what, done blah, blah, blah. But not the point, I don't think. I think raising the question is the point here. Um, and I felt like the episode in 45 minutes did a good job of wrestling with it. So it wasn't an easy, oh, it should have been this, oh, you're guilty, you're the collaborator. And the fact that they established that up front, that it's going to be like that, where Kira's like, well, I think they should have just hung you, right? That you shouldn't have had right. given him any opportunity, and she's so black and white about it, and then is forced to reckon with the gray area throughout the rest of the episode. It's really chef's kiss storytelling, I think. Um, the climax is very powerful. At the confrontation with her and Brile is very uh, powerful, and he's even trying to give her an out there where he's like, and the answers aren't easy as you think they are, even when they're hard, because yeah. <laughs> it turns yeah. out he wasn't even guilty. Um, Keith, I think it's it's it's... Oh, man, writing is so good in this episode again. No clunker lines. Performances. Great performances. Yeah. Great performances. Thought provoking story. What else? It's going to resonate. Look, we were talking about it yesterday on Geekly. I mean, these are, these are concepts that, that'll, that we could talk We are talking about 20 some years later, just as fresh. Yeah. I don't know what else you ask for in an episode. I'm going 30. big. I'm going strong. 91. All right. Yeah. I mean, I agree with everything you said and, I, and I'll, I'll add one layer to it. And that is you talked about the grappling with the ethics of, you know, the occupation and what do you do with that decision? You know, like, how do you make that decision? Well, we're also grappling with what people will do for power. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And the ethics of acquiring or deferring power and, and the, you know, the, what win will do ethically, to obtain power, what Beryl will do ethically to defer yeah. his power, and and like where is 
you know, where where is the the morality? Where's the righteousness in the ambition? Is there anything is there anything wrong with Wynn's ambition to be Kai if she thinks she's genu- genuinely destined to do it and is going to do something good? Does it justify her digging up dirt on her opponent? I don't know. Right. And that's and so there's there's grappling on that level of the of the contemporary politics as well as re-examining the occupation. Um, so it's, uh, yeah, no, it's, I, I, I like this episode. Um, you know, it's not as, as well rated on, on, on IMDb, but I think, uh, in, I think it's a great episode. And I think that setting up an adversary, right. Like, I don't think I'm spoiling anything to say like, Hey, guy was going to get, going to stick around for a while. Right. And is going to be a pain in the ass, and that's going to make for good storytelling. Um, so I love it. I love it. Louise Fletcher can like be in anything she wants in 100%. my book. Yep. Uh, so I'm going to give it 89 self sealing stem. Yeah, that sounds like a 90 to balls. me. It's an average of a 90. So uh, there we go. We have only two more episodes from season two of Deep Space Nine. Next week we're going to be discussing Tribunal. Ooh, that which sounds is big. an entire episode built around a throwaway line from an episode earlier this season. They mentioned something casually and like, you know what? That's an episode. All right. I'm in. And thus becomes this episode. And next week, after the week after that, the season finale. Hold on to your seasons butts. two of Deep Space Nine nine, the Gem Hadar. So isn't that Klingon? Hold on to your isn't butts. That a, isn't that a Klingon something? Like the Klim, Klingon fighters? Uh, nope. It's something we have not seen okay. yet. But um, spoiler alert. Uh-oh. So uh, here we go. I'm so excited. We will right. see you back here next week with Tribunal. Thank you for watching. Check out our other shows. Uh, you know, K&M Geekly. Look at my Star Trek toys. We also have our little, you know, we're playing that uh, that game Check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash KNM. I will never know what that game's called. A final I unity. Commit, final whatever. unity. Yeah, yeah. It's the final whatever. So, uh, yeah. So check out all this stuff. Give us a like. Give us a subscribe. If you're listening to the audio version of this, please give us a uh, rating and review on whatever podcasting service you're listening to. Uberstank? Uh, Uberstank. This has been Keith and Mike. Watch Deep Space Nine. Thank you for watching KM Entertainment. If you enjoyed our particular brand of nonsense, please like and subscribe. Or become one of our patrons at patreon.com slash KM.